Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We are reading from the fourth chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. You can find this on page 209 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. These are the things you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise your youth But set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this you will save both yourselves and your hearers. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for the gift of your word to us. And pray now that the same spirit that descended upon those first believers long ago will come to us again, that we might hear the word that you intend for us on this day and respond with acts that bring you glory and honor. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In a few minutes, we will share in one of my favorite occasions in the life of the church every year, the moment that we ordain and install new officers for their time of service. On this morning, we will mark that transition for 14 deacons and ruling elders whom you have elected, whom the session has examined and approved for service Later this month, we will do the same with two others who weren't able to be present today. And in both of those occasions, there will be questions to our new officers and to you. And there will be a time of prayer that includes something called the laying on of hands. In the past, in that moment, I would invite everyone present in the sanctuary previously ordained as an elder or a minister of word and sacrament to come forward and to join in a time of placing their hand on the back or the head of those who are beginning their new time of service. It's a, a symbolic act that demonstrates the passing on to the mantle of leadership from one group to the next. It has always been a powerful occasion 
when we have done it in that way. As this entire area is filled, as virtually half of those in the room will come forward and join in that moment. And I promise you that one day we'll be able to do it exactly that way again. And yet on this morning, when we come to the moment of the laying on of hands, I will ask those of you who have previously been ordained to join from your seat by passing on that mantle of leadership. Today also marks the start of a new summer series in worship. As the primary preaching text for the weeks ahead will come from the book of Judges. That Old Testament work is the place that we hear about people like Gideon and Deborah, Samson and Delilah. And yet when I went looking at the lectionary, that ecumenical resource that assigns passages from the Bible for every Sunday of the year over a three-year cycle, there's only one passage from Judges that is included. That meager representation, I think, will become clear to you when you hear this description by a scholar of this book. The book of Judges, he said, is one of the most exciting, colorful, and disturbing books of the Bible. It combines stories of political intrigue and assassination, lies and deception, rape and murder, courage and fear, great faith and idolatry, power and greed, sex and suicide, love and death, military victories, and civil war. For those of you who are television fans, think of a combination of Outlander and the Kardashians. <laughs> and you get some kind of glimpse of what this book is all about. Yet over the course of this summer, we are going to be picking out passages that we will reflect on together from that part of God's word to us. And we're using some pastoral discretion in terms of the accounts that we will use. For instance, you will need to read on your own a passage that involves a tent peg and a human temple. The passage before us this morning, though, sets the stage for all that we will hear in the coming weeks and for the moment of laying on of hands, too. It describes a time of great transition for the people of Israel. Joshua, the leader who succeeded Moses, the leader who had brought them into the promised land, has just dismissed the people into their 12 tribes, each having been allocated a portion of Canaan. To this point, they have been working collectively as one army, and yet now they are dispersed. Now they settle in to this land and begin their new life in relative peace. Those verses we heard then quickly skip ahead about 30 or 40 years. As it goes on to say, the people of Israel followed God all the years of Joshua and all the years of the leaders who came after him. But then in a bit of foreshadowing, it says there arose this new generation who did not know the Lord 
or did not know what the Lord had done for Israel. In other words, the people forgot their own history. They forgot how their ancestors had once been slaves in Egypt. And that it was through the power of God that Moses led them through the sea to freedom. They forgot how God had fed their ancestors in the wilderness and given them the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. They forgot what their grandparents experienced when they finally were allowed to enter this land that had been promised to their ancestor Abraham. And they forgot all that their parents went through in settling this land and giving them the kind of comfort and peace they now enjoy. They forgot all of that. And human beings have always had this remarkably short span of memory. In 1927, there was no more famous person on the planet than Charles Lindbergh. In May of that year, he successfully completed the first solo transatlantic flight, in his case going from New York and landing in Paris. Not only did that accomplishment result in his winning a $25,000 reward, but also great acclaim, ticker tape parades, Congressional Medal of Honor, meeting with world leaders. It was a number of years later that Lindbergh was a passenger on a 747 flying from New York to Europe. After takeoff, the pilot came on the intercom and announced that they had a famous guest among their number of Charles Lindbergh, but he didn't say anything else. And so Lindbergh got up and, and acknowledged his, his passengers nearby and then sat back down and had a little trouble actually locking his, his seatbelt. And so a flight attendant came up and as she was helping him said, is this your first crossing, Mr. Lindbergh? <laughs> For the Israelites, their short memory had far more disastrous consequences. All the trouble that will come to them occurs because they forgot all that God had done for their ancestors and all the promises of God continued to work in their lives. The title of this book, Judges, takes its name from those individuals who were then sent, women and men, not only to bring justice to the people, but to bring them back to faith. And their presence, the very need for their role, makes clear this precarious nature of the transmission of faith. For the fact remains that Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. All that it takes for the Christian faith to end is for one generation to fail to share the stories of what God has done in the past and in their own lives to the generations that come after them. It has been a task of Christians from the very beginning. And in our reading from Paul's letter to Timothy, he, he maps out that role for this younger man, this, this man who is really a protege for him. He says to Timothy, 
Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. In other words, that people will be watching how you seek to live out this faith. It urges him to continue to be engaged in the basic acts of the Christian faith, to gather together for the public reading of Scripture, to exhort one another, to show compassion. Much of this letter is all about the various officers of the church, of the bishops, of the deacons, of the elders, of the characteristics that they are needed. And whatever Timothy's particular role, Paul is reminding him of his part in passing on the faith. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, he said, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Paul is telling that next generation of Christians of the essential task that he has to ensure that the faith lives on. And that is our charge, too. It, it sounds so simple. It sounds easy, and yet the reality is that there are moments when it can prove challenging. Some of you have probably heard the tale. The girl who came home from her Sunday school class where that morning she had heard of the story of Moses leading the Israelites to freedom. Her mother, in, in a wonderful parenting technique, asked her daughter what she had learned that morning in class. And she said, well, Moses got the Israelites out of Egypt, but Pharaoh and his army were following them soon afterwards, and they got to the, the Red Sea, and they couldn't cross it. Then she said, Moses got on his satellite phone. <laughs> the Israeli Air Force bombed the Egyptians, and the Israeli Navy built a pontoon bridge so they could go over. And her mother said, is that how they told you the story? And her daughter said, no. But if I told it to you the way they told it to me, you'd never believe it. <laughs> Sharing the faith has always had its moments of challenge. And yet the reality remains that this responsibility for the continuation of Christianity is upon you and me. Despite the fact that the Christian church in all its iterations has been in existence now for two millennia, it is always one generation away from concluding. So what is it that we are to do? We are to worship, and we are to learn, we are to teach, and we are to pray. We are to serve, and we are to share. We are to demonstrate compassion, and we are to stand up to the powers of this world. We are to baptize and marry. We are to bury, and yes, 
we are to ordain and install new officers. And we do all of those things so that the faith that has come to us does not end with us. And instead, that generations yet unborn will come to hear and to claim and to celebrate what God has done for them and for all humankind. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for the incredible way that you continue to work in this world. We thank you for those individuals who shared the faith with us and the ones from whom they learned it. We pray that on this day, each one of us might accept our responsibility in passing on the faith to those who will come next. That the good news of your Son might live on still. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.